This podcast is brought to you by Lauren Zander, the author of a new book entitled Maybe It's You. Cut the crap, face your fears, and love your life. Please listen to podcast number 665 with our author, Lauren Zander. If for any reason you feel like you need a kick in the butt and want to get real with yourself about what is keeping you from getting what you want out of your life, then you are going to want to listen to this no-holds-barred interview. She is lively, real, and knows what it takes to break through your self-imposed barriers and the mind games we all play with ourselves that keeps us from attracting the wealth, relationships, and happiness we're all looking for in life. Let Lauren be your guide as we discuss the revealing content in her book, Maybe It's You. Please listen to podcast number 665 with author, coach, and consultant Lauren Handel Zander. If you want to learn more about Lauren's company, Handel Group, please go to www handlegroup.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And as I do every time, Cindy, I thank the listeners because for 14 years now and 660 plus podcasts, um, they continue to support me. I continue to get new listeners. And for all of you out there who are listening to my podcasts on personal growth, mastery, wellness, and spirituality. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And today joining me from San Diego is Cindy Henson. And Cindy has a new book out called Jungle, A Journey to Peace, Purpose, and Freedom. And you'll understand as we get into this interview why this was called Jungle. Cindy, good day to you. How are you? I'm great, Greg. Thank you for having me on your show this morning. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing some of your personal journey um, and also professional insights um, that you gleaned along the way. I mean, everybody out there has a journey, but I think a journey, they're all different, which is what makes us unique. We all have our own little DNA stamp but we can all learn from one another. And that's why I love doing these podcast shows. I'm going to let my listeners know a tad about you. Uh, Cindy Henson is the chief executive officer of Henson Consulting Group here in San Diego, is a dynamic leader with deep experience in designing and implementing collaborative and innovative systems to quickly achieve results within large organizations. Um, Cindy brings strong knowledge in developing and executive uh, strategic plans, motivating and directing executives and management teams of employees, suppliers, clients, and community systems across diverse ethnic cultures to achieve the stated goals. She also brings 33 years of experience with corporations, local governments, agencies, and nonprofits as a big business executive and independent consultant. And you can actually find more information about her at the HensonConsultingGroup.com. And that's H-E-N-S-O-N ConsultingGroup.com, which would be a great place for you to go to check it out. She's got some cool little videos in there. Well, Cindy, um, you know, this book starts out in the foreword by um, a good friend of yours writing this foreword and it's Anita Sanchez and she writes about initially to set the stage for this book 
your go-go life, I mean, you were somebody who was really driven, motivated, um, running fast, and ultimately led to a health crisis, actually, one when you were in, in an elevator and, and seeking more peace and love and self-compassion was really your way to deal with and move through this health crisis. Um, for our listeners, can you tell them a little about your personal health challenges that led you to transforming your life and also how you work? Absolutely. Thank you, Greg. And uh, yes, Anita did a fantastic job describing it in the very beginning. It's interesting because every single day of our life, we, we get up every day and think we know exactly how the day is going to go. And uh, this particular day, I, on the way to work, fainted in the elevator, had no idea why my body shut down, and eventually discovered that, in fact, I was malnourished which makes zero sense, and yet it was somehow in my body chemistry, my autonomic system was shutting down and shutting down all my organs, we eventually discovered. You know, it makes you take stock. It makes you ask yourself, what am I doing? Is, is everything that I'm doing really worth the price I'm paying now? And, and for me, it wasn't. So being able to, for me, see exactly what I was doing that wasn't working was really the, the key to creating the life that I have now. And, uh, and I, I wasn't smart enough to do it before I had a health challenge. <laughs> well, you had had a heart challenge as a child, and I think you were reflecting in the book that maybe you thought that's what this was again, right? And Absolutely. you drove yourself... You actually drove yourself across the street to the hospital and woke back up and the doctor was saying, what is this cut on your chest, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I was born with a hole in my heart that they didn't discover until I was 20 years old. And once it was discovered, the, the question was, how quickly can we get her in and get this hole closed or her heart's just going to give out in another two or three years? So I was very fortunate as a child to to be able to do all the things that I did without even knowing that I had a hole in my heart. So that was the first thing I thought of when, when I came back to from, from fainting in the elevator was, oh my gosh, something's wrong with my heart again. Um, that was my only experience of, you know, health issues. And so I immediately thought that was the case again. So it turned out not to be, fortunately. Right. Yeah. Right. But you really took a journey with your health, which, you know, I know a lot of people go on a very similar journey, maybe not the same things, but when things like that strike us down like that, it's, it's a challenge. And you state in the book that we're not our identity. And obviously because you were such a go-go person and always doing something, you know, this was tough for you to deal with um, not only physically, but psychologically and spiritually. And you also say we're not our role, but your illness played havoc on the mental health and physical health. What would you advise our listeners about getting through the depression caused by either this consistent focus on our problems? Because I know what it's like. I had anxiety attacks for a long time. And when you have them, you think you're dying. And the reality is you also are so focused on the problem that the prevalence of them actually comes back again and again and again. 
So what would you advise to our listeners who maybe are dealing with some issues like this? Yeah, that's a great question. That to me is the gold. Because when, when we're in a health challenge, as I found myself in and you found yourself in and many of your listeners may find themselves in at some point, the number one goal is to get well. The number one goal. Because everything else in our life can only happen all of our dreams, all of the things that we want to accomplish can only happen when we're in a healed, healthy state. So the fact that our lives get very small very quickly and focus on our, our challenge um, is probably not uncommon. I can understand exactly how that happens. What I discovered in, in dealing with my particular issue was being put on disability, out of work. My number one goal was to get back to work. So I did the exact thing that you're describing right now, which is focus on the problem, focus on the problem, focus on the problem, because I had to solve it. And what I truly discovered was all my project management, problem-solving skills were not going to solve this one. And it wasn't for lack of trying, I promise you, because I was so well-trained that for me, I thought I would just apply these same tools that I had learned over these years that made me so successful. I can solve this health challenge. I just need to get to the right doctors. I just need to have the right data. I just need to have the right information. And truly, that wasn't it at all. In fact, it was when I stopped trying to solve it and focusing on that and just let go of the wheel did I discover my own um, moving into spirituality, really, because it was a piece that I had long ago set aside, but I came back to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... What you did here to actually pick up uh, and be encouraged, and you know, I looked at the synchronicities in the book because you know you talk about those synchronicities, and you know you were getting signs along the way that something needed to change. And I think we all need to pay closer attention and intuitively pick up on these signs and symbols. You took a journey to Costa Rica to the rainforest, and you spent a year healing yourself. You also earned this master's degree in international peace and conflict studies from the United Nations University for Peace. Your partner, Dana, was your model and inspiration to make the decision. And you also had a little help along the way from Deepak Chopra. Why, in your estimation, is it so important for the people listening to this show to take stock and reflect on what really matters most and then to take action on those insights? Yeah, uh, thank you, Greg. That's a great question because I do think the signals and the flags are there. You can see them in hindsight. When you look backwards in time, you can see the flag. It's, it's as though we don't have eyes to see them when we're in the present because we're so busy with our life and our, our habits and the way that we do things. And there's something about pausing and reflecting. I started meditating. I went to the Chopra Center and learned how to, to do primordial sound meditation, which I still do to this day. And it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to, to, as a spiritual practice, every morning center myself, declare how I want my day to be. It slows my pace down. I have a very fast clip that I run at in life. And it gives me a chance to slow down and to, to notice 
what is working and not working in my life. So I just think we need to slow down and ask ourselves some questions here and there, which I'm hoping that this book may do for people. Well, it certainly will if they read it and take some of the insights that you personally had along the way. And I and you weave in this book for my listeners at the end of each chapter, there are reflection questions. Um, and, you know, you write about this tumultuous relationship with your father and the pain that it caused you and your sister. Sounds like, you know, he was a, a pretty... Uh, what I want to call rigid person, um, was very much toe the rope kind of person. Um, and there's can be good and bad that comes from that. Um, you know, I had a father that was similar. It didn't have the drinking issue, certainly had the smoking issue. Um, advise the readers, uh, if you would, of your book to how would they resolve past issues um, to release what you call their brain power? And how would you recommend resolving painful issues like the one that you had with your father? You know, we're, we're all on our own personal journey. And, and I believe we, we are meant to have the, the kinds of experiences that we are having such that we can transform the world, that we can contribute our own gifts and talents in the world. What I believe happens in, in unresolved past issues is it blocks uh, our goodness in the future because it takes up bandwidth in our, our current capacity. So here's what I mean by that. In my example or in my life, a couple of the things that were really in my way were I was so desperate for approval from my father that I just carried that on into my life so that I became desperate for approval in my work life, in my relationships, in my friendships, everywhere. And I didn't even realize it was doing that. So taking that to the next step, when you're desperate for approval, as I was, I was the good girl. I did everything that I was supposed to do. So in corporate life, that translated to working 70 hours a week. That translated to not complaining working to play well with others, not bringing up issues, just doing my job and a great job at it because I was looking for approval. I didn't even know that's what I was doing. I didn't even know that. And so, so how, how can you uh, that may be listening to this podcast actually notice some of the drivers in your life that are coming from the past? And some of them may be serving you in your lifetime now, which is fabulous, but it's worth an exploration because when you start thinking about what really drives me, what is important to me in relationships and in my career and and in my marriage, what is important to me, you start to get a little inkling of where that came from. And, And it creates an opportunity for choice about whether or not you want to stay with that motivation or not. So being in the conversation about the past, which we all want to just move forward, which I can appreciate entirely. That's the way I live my life. Let's look forward. Why would we go backwards? We know it was a dark place, so why would we go there again? I didn't realize how much that was influencing my life. 
in the present day. Well, I think, as you say, if people don't take the time to heal many of these uh, wounds that we have along the way, um, that we end up carrying um, those patterns, you know, um, into all of our relationships, right? Uh, And it can be very self-sabotaging, as you talk about in the book. Now, this book is revolving around seven principles that you came up to to help people find this peace, purpose, and freedom in their life. And you, we're going to talk about some of them, but maybe not all of them, depending on the time. One of them is tap into your fun quotient. The other one is resolve past issues, as we just said, and release your brain power. The third one is discover what juices you and pursue it. Um, activate your learning gene and see your challenges better than you see themselves. Move to action and choose to be unstoppable. And I think they're all great, but I've chosen a few in particular to speak about. One of them is the fourth principle, and that's to activate your learning gene. How do you recommend going beyond what most people have, this habitual, habitual condition thoughts? This monkey mind, this challenge, you talk about meditation in there. You talk about quite a few things. Um, But, you know, it's one of the toughest things that people have to do is to quiet this mind that says you're not enough. You can be more. You need to do more. Um, You you know, you're a failure. That ego that comes up. What have you personally done to help resolve some of those, that mind chatter that's, you know, getting in the way? Yeah, I think... I, I think you're right, Greg. I think it's part of the human condition. There's the, the conversation that goes on in our head continually. And, and so the question for ourselves is, is it helping us in being productive and contributory in our lives, or is it in the way? And for those thoughts and, uh, and emotions that get in our way, I think the question becomes, how do you, how do you transform them into helpful thoughts? And, and frequently, I think it's around limiting beliefs, and I think it's around limited knowledge. And so here's what I mean by that. You know, we get very well trained, and we learn, we go to school, we get an education, we move into our careers, and we find the kinds of things that work, and then we just use them over and over because they work. That's the tool that works in these particular situations. What I notice and what I think is amazing about the Internet and knowledge that's available to everybody now is reading and, and, and understanding and learning outside of our normal pattern of what we're drawn to or interested in, I think is an amazing way to, to create new uh, neural pathways in our brain. And I think, I think various connections begin to happen that are different and and we start to have different thoughts and we have actually more empowering thoughts because it's intriguing. It it makes us curious and makes it interesting. So what I find is listening to and watching TED Talks, uh, listening to podcasts, uh, listening to different books, watching, uh, I'm sorry, uh, reading different books that would be outside of my own personal wheelhouse, 
where I spend the majority of my time in, in my consulting career actually forces me, and, and forces is the wrong word, it actually creates the opportunity for my brain to be intrigued and interested. And, and so I spend a lot of time uh, filling my brain with new information. And I, and I think I, it is, I think that does help. And I think your meditation habits are another thing to quiet that mind to, you know, do that. I, I, I encourage my listeners um, who are listening to our podcast here uh, to take Cindy's advice. I know that you may have forgotten a couple of podcasts in the past. Um, my good friend, Stephen Kotler, who is just a book machine, uh, wrote the book Abundance, but he also has the Flow Genome Project. And in there, he talks exactly about the neural pathways and how to hack flow and the fact that we should be reading, you know, if we're personal growth junkies, we should be reading Architectural Digest because we're creating new neural pathways. And I really do think that what Cindy just said about creating new neural pathways can be done by reading diverse um, types of content. Pick up things that you'd never pick up before. Um, I know we get caught in patterns and I know for me, I get, you know, hundreds of personal growth books, but you know, how many books do I get on engineering? No, not very many. Um, so while it might seem weird, it's a way for you to grow and learn and understand new things and also uh, make the neural pathways uh, be much quicker. Um, so you brought up a really good point there. And I just wanted to emphasize that for my listeners as well. Now, Principle five is seeing your colleagues bigger than they see themselves. Um, what, and it, you're obviously in the consulting business, so this is a big one. Um, how would you recommend that people overcome their own self-sabotaging patterns? Because we do get into these patterns. And if we can't be observers of our own patterns, and frequently we're not, it's almost like you have to get you know, I tell people, Cindy, if I had a video camera and I took the camera and I videoed you all day long and I watched you and then I played it back, how um, happy would you be with that video? Right? Your own exercise. Right? Yeah. So would you be? And that's, that's this point. What are those self-sabotaging patterns and how do you help people kind of overcome those? Yeah. What a great exercise, first of all, that you just described. Uh, it got me to thinking, gosh, what would my day have been like yesterday? <laughs> so part of maybe, not, I, maybe not so good because each day is different. But, but I think the point is, is if you could watch the patterns that you do, which ones would you change? Brilliant. Brilliant. I love this. One of the things, the, the two things that I comment on, one is, I believe we all need to connect with other people. I think our society has moved with technology and all the various social uh, activities and social economic kinds of uh, relationships we have in our society right now is that we have moved into uh, independence, I think, to a detriment. I don't think we connect enough with each other. And I believe that when we look back in our own lives, what has made us great at, at any stage in our lives 
is because we had a support team around us and we had people that could see in us what we couldn't see in ourselves at that particular moment. And because they voiced it to us, what's, what's possible or, or I see you moving into this kind of a role, boy, I see this, this talent in you that is latent, but let's develop it. So mentors, coaches, managers, uh, teachers, parents, clergy people, all in our sphere and supporting us even when we can't see ourselves big enough. So that's the first piece. The second piece, so, so I think doing that for other people is huge for the people in your life. But secondly, on the reverse, actually what tends to happen when we're that grateful and that appreciative of others and see people bigger, we actually feel better about ourselves because we're contributing and participating with other people. And we start to notice, I believe, where we are limiting ourselves. Because I think anytime we give a gift, we actually, or our gifts and talents, we are actually the one that benefits even beyond what we're giving to other people. I mentioned earlier about uh, Dana, my partner, being my support to, say, go to Costa Rica. Oh, my gosh, she saw something in me much bigger than I could see in myself that said, Cindy, you've got to get out of this pattern you're in. And I, as your partner, am more interested in you doing that for yourself than I am having you with me here in San Diego for the next year. So you go and you do this for yourself. Boy, I, I mean, golly having that kind of support for another human being and feeling that kind of support from another human being is really the connection I think that we're talking about. And I think we can do that kind of connection at work. Well, it's unconditional love. And it's true that um, obviously as a, a consultant, which you've been doing and working with cultures of organizations and so on, you realize some cultures embrace um, love inside the organization. Others do not. Um, some organizations vibrate at a much higher level of vibration. As Kim Wilber talks about the teal level, level corporations. Um, but the reality is, is that we have to be able to bring our whole self to work, our physical, our mental, our emotional and spiritual side. And, and we spend so much time at work that we have to get the support there. And that kind of leads me to this. I know your principle number seven is to choose to be unstoppable. You mentioned with change, even the ones we choose, choose the transition isn't always smooth, right? So yeah, yeah we're going to make the transition, but change, there's always seems to be resistance, right? It's like, okay, uh, this is something new for me. I've got resistance here. In your personal life, you've had a lot of changes. I mean, the book is a reflection of a change every time you turn the corner almost, right? Um, what would you advise to the person who has own self-doubt again, but really the big one? We know that there's two big emotions, fear and love, right? But fear is the one that frequently drives people. Um, love can drive people. But what do you recommend to people who are faced or actually they become immobile as a result of fear? Because I think frequently when you get an illness, what happens is it's the fear 
that actually just stops you. Um, it almost stops you dead in your tracks. You know, you want to do something, but you're kind of so afraid. You just, you don't know what to do. You become confused. You become depressed. Um, so speak with the listeners about that. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I can and see myself uh, when I was uh, in, this, in this health crisis really moving to being frozen at some point. And I think we, we tend to, with fear, move to fight, flight, or freeze. The one side of our brain that is trying to protect us and, and keep us safe uh, moves us into survival mode. And, and that's a reactionary stance that is, is not creative at all and is not fun. Uh, and yet it protects us. So there's something really good about it when we need it. The question is, when, when those kinds of responses are coming forward because we're fearful in our thinking, part of this reflection process and, and being still and pausing, to me, is our interpretations that we give to external circumstances or situations. So if something arises in our life, and our mind, our brain takes us to fear, then therefore either we, you know, use our reaction of choice, <laughs> fight, flight, or freeze, one of those three or a combination of them, that right there is the cycle that we need to break ourselves from, even a small amount. So the question that I have my, my uh, clients ask themselves is, when have I faced something similar to this in the past and I've actually moved through it? What did I do? How was I thinking about it? What story were, uh, was I telling myself such that I could maybe learn from that because, in fact, I've done that in the past and I've done it well. How do I bring that into the present and try that? Try that approach rather than rather than staying stuck in this cycle of fight, fight, or freeze, but instead notice that there have been times in your past already where you have successfully moved through this, something similar to this. It may not be the exact same, but you, you have tools and resilience in you. You have in your, your, your mind, body, spirit, a, an innate ability to move through challenges, it's tapping into them and bringing them forward and trying something. So I'm real keen on moving into action, even if it's just one little action today, because actually I think one successful action begets another successful action begets another successful action, and it moves you out of the habitual fear space that you may find yourself in. I think you're you're right on with the uh, the way to approach that, and I would only add one thing for the listeners, and that is that um, as you can reflect on impermanence and get in touch with your spirituality, which is ultimately one of the highest and most important things that we can do, um, you begin to realize that you, you start you can start to release fears a lot easier um, when you know that you know. 
ultimately none of us is going to be around here forever, right? Um, so all of these things, these fiscal possessions that we have, um, they, they don't exist on that spiritual plane. They're not there. Um, yet you've spent your life trying to acquire all this stuff. You know, and I tell people, you know, you got all this stuff around you and you got so much of it, you got to go to get a mini storage unit to put it in um, that you never go visit. You just keep making payments on it. Well, that's pretty insidious behavior. The reality is, is to release and let go of many of those things that you think you're physically attached to. Spend more time um, understanding um, the impermanence of your own life. And I think if you do that, um, it's a great reflection um, to remove fear as well. Uh, because that is the ultimate reality for all of us, right? Being able to get the grips with that. I know a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but the reality is it is important. Um, any last parting words, uh, Cindy, for the listeners that you'd like to, I know I've told them to go to the uh, Henson Consulting Group. Also, there's a great blog there. Um, in that blog, you can see the seven principles to up your game um, the ones we've been talking about. You also, we will put a link to Amazon to purchase this book. Um, but Cindy does write on her blog uh, pretty consistently um, about the book. Lots of ideas. Anywhere else you want to send them, Cindy? Um, you know, I think just the book will be released through Amazon on May 9th. Uh, in uh-huh. Kindle and paperback version. Uh, it's up for pre-sale now. So I would... Uh, I would love anybody that is interested or intrigued by this to pick up the book. And I guess I would leave one parting message, which is give yourself the gift of pausing and asking yourself if, if your career and your life is where you want it to be. And, and be okay with the honest responses that come forward. This is all just an exercise in your own mind. It's in the safety of your own mind. And, and to explore that, uh, to me, is a gift you can give yourself immediately. You don't even have to do anything yet, but give yourself the gift of exploring and asking because that will open so many doors. But just take that first step. I think it's awesome. And uh, for all those who are listening, um, we have been on with Cindy Henson um, with the Henson Consulting Group here in San Diego. Uh, again, you can go to www.hensonconsultinggroup.com. Uh, check out that blog. Check out more about Cindy. The book is called Jungle, A Journey to Peace, Purpose, and Freedom. Great front cover. Can't miss it. Uh, looks like a young lady standing in the jungle with her briefcase. Um, <laughs> I, I get that. That was very appropriate. Um, that, that could have been you, right? So, um, so appreciate you being on Cindy and spending some time with us, uh, and my listeners, and we will put links on the blog to all of that. Uh, thank you to you. Blessings to you for, um, being, having the, actually the courage, uh, to write it and put it back out there. I think every author needs to be acknowledged for, um, that. So kudos to you. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me on today. And uh, thank you very much to the listeners that have taken the time to listen today. 